If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Hey, welcome back. We are really excited about our guest today, Shane Foster. He's the co-founder and the CEO of Fostering Healthy Solutions, um, where he cultivates healthy solutions to diversity issues through education, training, and execution. He also serves as the executive director of Amend Together and is the VP of External Affairs at YWCA Nashville in Middle Tennessee. I am so excited about having Shane with us today, um, mostly because the first time I heard about Shane Foster was through our mutual friend, Brenda Tracy, who has also been on the podcast in the past. Um, And because the first time I saw him on social media, he was wearing a shirt that said, real men respect women. I was like, this dude is cool (laughs) and I want him on here. Then I started researching more and found out he is a former NBA player, Vanderbilt's all-time leading scorer, Mary. I mean, we are getting some baller, real celebrity, baller celebrities on here. Welcome, (laughs) Shane. Welcome to the One Voice Podcast. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you today. (laughs) We are excited too. Well, Shane, just in learning more about you and just following you on your social media, I've learned that your organization, Men Together, just the primary initiative is about prevention and preventing violence against women and girls, but from a different perspective. And that Mary and I do, you know, we, I've been speaking 18 years on college campuses about sexual violence, gender-based violence, abuse, assault, trafficking, but, you know, we always come up to the question of how do we stop this before it starts? And that's what I love. That's what you're doing. Your organization is, is dedicated to ending violence against women and girls by engaging men and boys to be a part of the solution. And that is so important. And I just wanted to know if you could just share a little bit with us today about, you know, how you're going about that and maybe a little bit about what is working. Absolutely. Well, first, thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, you've done incredible work and, and, and so proud of the work that you've done. And, and the work that I do literally would not exist had it not been for women like yourselves um, who are paving the way. And we come alongside you as allies in this work to ultimately end violence against women and girls. So, so I salute you um, for, for your efforts in this space. You know, you. it it, it became apparent to us um, years ago that while we were providing services and resources and counseling uh, for those who were victims of domestic violence, um, we, we understood that at some point this has to stop, right? At, at some point, we have to really get to the bottom of 
where this violence starts, how do we get in and, and, and redirect some actions, some behavior, some attitudes, so that ultimately the violence never starts in the first place, right? And as we did this research and talked to gender violence prevention experts around the country, we found that men had not been a part of the equation. And so it was an incredible opportunity to say, you know what, 90% of the violence that happens to women and girls is perpetuated by men and boys. Likewise, 90% of the violence that happens to men and boys is also perpetuated by other men and boys. Mm -hmm. And so on the one side, it's like, you know, we're part of the problem, mm -hmm. a, a big part of the problem, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's also the, the understanding that the majority of men are not abusive. Mm -hmm. The majority of men are not uh, demeaning and devaluing and disrespecting women and girls but we've also not been a part of the solution. We've also not been involved. We've also turned a blind eye to these things and swept things under the rug. And in some ways even made excuses for the bad behavior of others. And so that's what a men together is really all about. It's about engaging men to truly be allies and be a part of the solution. We do that in middle and high schools where we're teaching young men what it truly means to value and respect women, where it's not just about making sure they're safe. We also provide sexual harassment and violence prevention training on college campuses, as well as professional sports and government agencies and, and corporations. And we've also done this work in faith communities, talking about what it looks like uh, to truly have this conversation, to own up to our mistakes, but most importantly, to truly understand the issues surrounding violence against women and girls and how we can be allies and catalysts for change within our communities. And so that's what it's really about. It's a community approach. Um, we've, we've been very fortunate to expand our work nationally into six other states. And so that's going well. But, you know, it's it, the core of what we do is about doing it together everyone doing this together. And that's the thing I love most about a men together is that we create the space for sensitive, necessary conversation and discussion, but we do it all together um, in terms of redefining manhood and masculinity, changing this culture that allows the violence to persist in the first place and ultimately changing the future for women and girls. Mm, wow. That's so powerful. I mean, just thinking about you know, men calling other men to a higher place, to a better way, in a way that not only makes them better, but changes the future of girls in the world. Um, you know, you mentioned even faith communities, and that's really close to my heart. I think for a long time, I, I've I've just been so passionate about teaching the church, not only to talk about these things, you know, to not be sweeping things like sexual abuse under the rug, but to talk about it, to be transparent about it, because Lord knows there's so much abuse happening in the church. A lot of it is gender-based because I do think that there is this um, power structure within our faith communities that allows for, you know, men to be men, boys to be boys. This is how it is. And so I wonder if you ever talk about this whole issue of like biblical manhood, you know what I'm saying of that allows for an abuse of power, because in many denominations, they are teaching that women cannot, you know, we're not equal. So how do you kind well, of, how do you address that? Well, for, for, for me, you know, being that I've been in church my whole life, 
mm-hmm. right, from a kid. And, you know, so I understand biblical principles. I minored in religious studies at, at Vanderbilt University mm-hmm. and had a chance to really study different religions. And, okay. and you know, the, the reality is that while many have used scripture um, to, to justify behavior, mm-hmm. it's, it's completely taken out of context, one, yeah. and two, you can you can find a scripture to support whatever it is that you want to do. Right. right? It's, it's the same thing as, as we do in corporate space with data. You can make data say whatever you want it to say at the end of the day. Right. Absolutely. But the reality is the religions themselves and the scripture taken as a whole do not support violence. Mm-hmm. And it, it, in fact, it condemns violence against women. Mm-hmm. Right. But we don't we don't talk about those parts of it, right? From a from a <laughs> right. from a Christian standpoint, like we don't we don't talk about the Bible saying that that husbands are to love your your wives as Christ loved the church, mm. right? Well, you don't see Christ abusing people in the Bible anywhere, no. right? You, you, you don't you don't see that anywhere. Yet people no. will take scriptures and twist it. Um, to support their own narratives. And we've mm-hmm. seen that not only with violence against women, we've seen that with racism, we've mm-hmm. seen that with sexism, we've seen that with homophobia, all of these things, right? right? And it's completely out of context. And so you have to reason with people about what the scripture actually says that condemns that kind of behavior, but most importantly, not condemn people, but condemn actions, mm-hmm. right? People shut off when, when we point fingers, when we indict people, they're not listening anymore. Therefore, change can't take place, mm-hmm. right? But when you condemn the action and say, you as an individual have the ability to choose whether or not you're a good person, whether or not you're an ally, whether or not you're supporting um, the right kind of things, you get to choose, but your actions are a big part of that choice because at the end of the day, what you do is far more important than what you say, Mm. right? And so Mm. we have to be able to meet people where they are and speak from a place of heart and love and care for all people Um, because from a a religious context, every religion cares about people, Mm -hmm. right? So we yeah. can't we can't we can't condemn people. We you know we, we're living in a space right now where cancel culture is so prevalent, right? That's that's so dangerous, mm-hmm. right? We 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 can't we can't move the needle. We can't separate ourselves from people. We have to bring people in and love them and care for them, and in some ways love them until they learn how to love us back. And mm-hmm. part of that is also holding people accountable, yeah. right? Just because I love you don't mean I let you get away with hurting me. No, that's, right. that, that's, that's, that's not how this goes, right? Yeah. So I can I can hold you accountable and love you at the same time. That way, change eventually happens. And so that's mm-hmm. that's the kind of context that we put this in as mm-hmm. it relates to the faith community. I love that. And, and not only, you know, I love you, but that doesn't mean you can hurt me. It also means I love you and it means you can't hurt the marginalized in our community, right? Mm-hmm. To, to just say like, they're just throwaways. They're just girls. They're just brown you know that we're gonna say like no (laughs) I love you and I'm gonna make sure that all this like locker room talk isn't gonna continue because it's toxic so that's so great and I know that that has been your heart and a lot of what you've been teaching and um you know I I read a quote from you that said when discussing domestic violence and sexual violence the emphasis is typically put on ways women can escape those situations but again, that you're, you're helping to change behavior, um, to stop these incidents before they start. And I just wonder, do you feel, 
that most of the pressure for change is on, on the men. I mean, you mentioned, you know, most perpetrators are men. So is it going to be men calling other men to the table because the women's voice doesn't really matter or are there things that, you know, a lot of our listeners are female survivors. You know, we were finding our voice because of what happened to us. And in the midst of that, like we want to be a part of change, but as part of change, us just working on our healing, or do you think that it's us being a voice to the men too? You know, for Mary and I, we both have boys. So, you know, I feel like a part of culture change for us is raising young men to respect women and love women and see equality. But I just wonder your take on that. Yeah, you know, it's it's so important that it all works together. Mm. Okay. Right? Yeah. But one one thing without the other mm. doesn't bring about the change that we want to take place, right? We have to do this together. And 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 I'll tell you, you know, I heard from a woman of color when I first started doing this work who said, Shane, I, I love your message. I love what you're doing. I'm so happy that you're doing it. But at the same time, it's hard for me to see a man, you know, talking about these things and leading in this space because all of the violence that I've suffered in my life have come at the hands of a man. Mm -hmm. And so there's some healing that has to take place there. Right. And I so appreciated that perspective because it's so important. It's, and I talk about this in my book that it's more about a both and scenario mm -hmm. than an either or. Yeah. Right. At yeah. the end of the day. And so it's 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 important that we we focus on the healing for those who have been victimized to this kind of violence, to those who have survived this kind of violence. That healing has to take place. We have to create spaces for people to talk about what happened, to be able to share real authentic experiences without the pressure of not being believed. Right. That's so critical and so important. At the same time, we have to understand that violence is a learned behavior mm. and that hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. And so we, while we're doing that work with women and girls, we also have to do that work with men and boys about peeling back that onion and talking about the things that have been swept under the rug, talking about those things that we've learned by, by, by the people that we've witnessed, by the people who have been role models for us, the people who taught us how to be men. We learned some things that need to be deconstructed, that need to be put away, but we can't do that if we're not creating safe spaces for people to have those kind of conversations. For example, I grew up watching Ninja Turtles. I love Ninja Turtles to the extent that my wife bought me a Ninja Turtle shell book bag when I was 30 years old for my birthday. I love <laughs> Ninja Turtles, right? Okay. But the way that the way that Ninja Turtles solve problems was through violence. Mm -hmm. The way that Popeye the Sailor Man solved problems was through violence. The way that the Power Rangers solved problems was through violence. Mm -hmm. So it's no coincidence that in our current culture, that violence is the way that we solve problems. That has to be unlearned. We have mm -hmm. to teach people differently. We have to glorify and celebrate the behaviors that we want to see repeated in order for change to take place. And the onus of that work 
has to be on the hands of men. And we have to empower men, but we also have to educate men and we have to love men in order to do it. Again, mm. nobody likes this. No, no, nobody, nobody likes pe people pointing fingers at them and indicting them. But if we can reason together, if we can sit down and talk about these things and, and I can stop and, and put aside my masculinity and put aside my pride and truly see things from others' perspective, then I can stop and say, wow, I don't personally have that experience, but I can I can empathize with the way that that's affecting you. And if right. it's happening to one woman or girl, then that's enough to mean that I have to change. That's enough to mean that I need to change the people around me, that I need to be committed to this. And you speak you spoke to something that's so powerful. We got to raise our young men, our sons to value and respect women. It's not just about keep making sure that they're safe. Right. We, we, mm -hmm. we often as men stop with the safety because that keeps us in a place of power because I'm strong. I can protect. Right. It's mm -hmm. not just about making sure that they're safe, but it's about making sure they're valued and respected so that safety is never a question in the first place. Wow. I feel like I just went to church. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No, that is that is legit. And I'm thinking, too, even about are a lot of male survivors, you know, I just launched this virtual support group for survivors of abuse, um, just to meet virtually, especially in this time of COVID where we feel so isolated and triggered. And so I have female groups and I have male groups and it's really hard to get men to sign up for the groups, even though I know they're out there and they want to be a part of it. And they always say like, we want the safe space but it's so hard. And I think there's a lot of that toxic masculinity out there that make, you know, our culture is just thriving off of it. And I do see, and I would probably assume that you see that as a part of the reasoning why, you know, it's even harder for men to be able to talk about these things when it's happened to them. Well, I think what, what, what comes to mind for me there is, you know, I talk about this in my book that I experienced child abuse growing up. Mm. And most of my family didn't know that that was happening at the time. And so when I wrote this book and was talking to my family about these things, I would often get the question, well, why didn't you tell me? Mm. Well, the, the, the thing that most parents don't often think about is what happened when that child took risk in the past mm -hmm. when you weren't there? Mm. See, it's, it's, it's one thing when mom tells you, you can tell me anything. It's, and dad says, you can come and share with me anything. I want you to talk to me. But what happens when I tried to in the past? Yeah. Were, 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 you, were you parent or were you supportive? Mm. Right? Did, 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 did you get triggered by what I, I, I brought to you and, and, and we couldn't have a productive conversation? Was I disciplined when I brought you something? We're, we're the same people who are supposed to love me, the ones hurting me, or the ones making excuses for bad behavior of others, mm. right? So, so those experiences matter just as much, if not more, right, right. Than, than my ability to come and talk to you because it impacts my ability to come and talk to you. Absolutely. Not to mention in our social groups with our peers, it's frowned upon to tell your parents everything. Right. You're getting bullied 
for te- you better not tell your parents. You you better not you better not go in there and tell your mom. Are you gonna be a man or are you gonna be a, a a little boy? Are you gonna be a man or are you gonna be a girl? Because girls go and tell mama everything. Boys don't do that, right? So mm-hmm. there's a shaming that's happening at a young age, wow. and we don't stop to cultivate our kids in such a way that includes their real lived experiences, even when parents are not there, mm-hmm. right? And so a part of me writing this book was to be able to uncover some of these things and get us talking about things that Mm -hmm. truly do matter and impact people, right? You talked about the young men who are being abused. I think the statistics are that one one in every seven or one in every nine boys have been sexually abused, but they can't talk about it, right? right? Because when when they've brought up certain subjects to their parents or to people in in churches or in, in faith communities, it was shunned upon Mm -hmm. they were shamed yeah excuses were made this this doesn't happen here we we don't we don't act like this that that's not what happened Mm -hmm. right and so we've taught young men that it's not safe for them to talk about what happened it's not safe for them to be vulnerable it's not safe for them to share their authentic truth the same way that we've taught women by virtue of how we've handled women We've taught women that it's not safe for you to report the sexual harassment that happened in the workplace. It's not mm-hmm. safe for you to, re- to, to talk about what, what your uncle did with you in this family. It's not safe for you to talk about your dad touching you inappropriately. It's not, it's, and so, and so mm-hmm. virtually what happens is we shut, the, we shut off communication, which means healing can't take place. Mm-hmm. We can only heal that which we reveal. And so all of this has to happen. All of this work has to happen simultaneously and together in order for change to truly take place. So I've told you a few times about this new project that I started many, many months ago, and we just launched it last week. It's called Unleash. I personally think it's the perfect way to love yourself and nourish your healing journey in this new year. It's an eight-session e-course and a virtual support group for sexual abuse survivors like us. And I've personally filmed hours and hours of brand new content. There's stories of over 20 of my dearest friends who will no doubt be relatable and really inspire you. Plus, we have this online platform where we meet virtually in these small confidential support group settings. It's kind of like a book club, but like a really precious one. And we just discussed the lifelong journey of healing from sexual abuse. We just started last week our first set, and it's been so fun, so sweet, so meaningful, and I can't wait to continue to meet with these groups for the next eight weeks. And we just launched the next set of sessions. If anyone is interested, please sign up now at the website, IamOneVoice.org. There's a new set of groups starting in April. It's a great time to sign up. April is Sexual Abuse Awareness Month and no better time to care for your healing journey than now. And if you aren't interested in committing to the support groups, but you still want the new content, all the videos and the new ebook, we have that option too. The healing road's long, but we don't have to walk it alone. Join us as we make 2021 a year to become Unleashed. Unleashed has officially launched. Grab your seat. Get signed up now at IamOneVoice.org. That's IamOneVoice.org. 
the statistic that I often use is one in six boys, one in six boys are sexually abused by the time they turn 18. And so many of them are silenced. They didn't have a place to go. They didn't know who would believe. And if they did believe, what were they going to do about it? And the shaming that happens and the internalizing and the coping, it's a lot, it's a lot for men to carry. And, you know, my heart really goes out to that. And I'm hopeful that some of our men's groups will begin to fill up and that courage would just, you know, blossom in their lives to be able to show up for something like that. Cause I think it can truly be healing to find a community um, where other people understand, you know, where they've been in your shoes, they get it and you could talk about it. But um, yeah. So you mentioned your new book, which I'm very excited just came out this month. Um, it's a memoir called what hurt didn't hinder what hurt didn't hinder. And, you know, you talk about what does it mean to be a man being physically strong, not being too emotional, having courage, being in charge. You said when asked what it means to be a black man, the question becomes even more complicated, which we, I think all understand that in today's current culture and everything that's being, you know, revealed in these days. Um, and it says you, you wrestled with these questions to yourself, Shane, just you mentioned from witnessing domestic violence to getting drafted into the NBA, to working in this movement um, to end violence against women and girls. You've seen it. You've felt the ways that our culture perpetuates this unhealthy masculinity. And you say in your book, there's room to break free of the mold. And I wondered if you, you know, you touched a little bit about your childhood, if you could share just some more of your story and even just having grown up, you know, being an athlete, I think is, you know, I speak to a lot of NCAA programs and that's one of the big topics, you know, that we have to talk about. And I wonder from your perspective, being a male in that, um, situation, how you personally found a real passion for this work, you know, your story and yeah, your passion. Well, for me, it was, you know, being liberated through expressing, Mm. right. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, I shared with my wife not too long ago that for, for the majority of my life, it's not been safe to talk about everything. Right. Right. Especially with adults. It's, there's always been boundaries for open discussion and dialogue Mm. where we're comfortable talking about sex and relationship from the standpoint of birds and the bees, but we're not comfortable sharing exact situations that people find themselves in Mm. that's that's too uncomfortable right um and as a result when individuals particularly athletes find themselves in situations the adults say well you've gotten this education you've gotten some training you've had speakers come and talk to talk about this so so why was that action possible well Nobody talked about this. Mm. This, this. This took me off guard. This, this kind of, this was in a space that I didn't, my mind didn't have anywhere to go. We don't want to talk about the effects of peer pressure, mm. right? And, and how if, if, if the quarterback on the team is the one encouraging this and I'm a wide receiver, 
and I depend on him throwing me the ball, then when he asks me to do something, I'm more likely to do it because there's consequences if I don't, right? If, if my supervisor is the one encouraging this kind of behavior, I'm, there's consequences if I don't, mm-hmm. right? But we as adults, we don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and as I've traveled across this entire world, I, I've seen the same exact things in every single culture. And it's an inability to truly talk about the issues. The statistics say that children between the ages of 14 and 24 don't even know what consent is, right? Yet when they get to college, they're held accountable Mm -hmm. for their actions through consequence, but we've not taught them, right? And the onus is really on us as adults. We have to take accountability because it was too sensitive of a topic to talk about. So we didn't talk about it. I didn't want my kids exposed to this. So we never talked about it. We, we've taken sex education completely out of schools. And even when it is talked about, it's so surface level does it, that it doesn't match the real life circumstances that kids find themselves in. That's and right. so how do you expect people to make the right decisions when we've not adequately taught them how to make the right decisions, given the situations they find themselves mm-hmm. in? It's yeah. completely unrelatable. <laughs> right. And so what we found is that the kids don't want to talk to their parents about it. They don't want to talk to their adults about it solely because they're not getting truthful answers. Mm. Right. And as a result, they're grasping for straws, trying to figure out how these gender relationships are supposed to work. Mm-hmm. But there are real consequences for victims of violence because we won't educate. Mm. That's why I'm passionate about this work, because as I joined with the YWCA and begin to learn and begin to hear testimony and stories, the thing that resonated with me the most was, why am I 30 years old just now hearing this? Hmm. Right. Why, why, why have I had a hundred coaches and all of these uncles and moms and, and fathers and all of these authority figures and in college, all of these resources and in the NBA, all of these experts. Why am I just now hearing about this? Wow. Mm -hmm. And I know for a fact that if I'm just now hearing about this at 30, what about the other millions of, of athletes? What about the other millions of kids who are living their lives and approaching 30 and still have not heard this, mm-hmm. right? And so as adults, it is imperative that we get outside of our comfort zones and begin to truly teach and share and create spaces for people to ask questions, right? So right. often when somebody asks a question that triggers us, we respond out of that emotion, which mm-hmm. stifles the communication. We can't talk anymore. So a real fear of a lot of men is being falsely accused. Now, right. we know that at the end of the day, the, 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 the percentage of false accusations is extremely small. Very small. But if we shut off people when they ask that question because it triggers us, now they're disconnected from the information that they need in order to be better in society. Hmm. And the next young lady or the, the next person that they get into relationship is the one who pays for that. That's right. As adults, we have to get outside of our comfort zones because the culture, our society, 
and victims of this kind of abuse are depending on us educating other people. Mm. That's why I'm so passionate about doing this. Yes, you are. And now I'm passionate. (laughs) Yes, sir. This is so good. Oh my goodness. And such a needed thing. Like every parent, this isn't just for like survivors or for parents of survivors or partners of survivors. This is for all of us. Like we all need to step up and help educate this next generation, educate ourselves for goodness sake. And um, man, I'm wondering, so as you have kind of become passionate on this, it's a topic that a lot of people don't want to talk about. You have obviously a ton of courage. Have you experienced Shane um, pushback? Have you experienced any like even slander, verbal abuse, that kind of thing? Like as a man, as a black man, like speaking out on this kind of thing, I can imagine that there's people that want you to stop talking (laughs) because it brings some sort of something, shame, whatever on them that, you know, I'm just wondering, or do you feel like you have a a great deal of support and you haven't had any pushback? (laughs) I hope that's the case, but I know what it's like out there. Well, well, honestly, the the majority of people who approach me directly mm-hmm. are supportive. Good. Pro- probably close to 100%. Yeah. Those who are not supportive mm-hmm. are not willing to say so publicly. Yeah. It's more like Brenda Tracy's trolls. <laughs> right? Um, and, 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 and let's be honest. When I, I have to recognize the privilege that I show up with. Mm. Right. I'm six, six. Mm-hmm. I'm a black male. I'm a former professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. When I show up, it's respected in a way that mm-hmm. most people are not automatically respected. Okay. Right? Yeah. You and bring so, a level of credibility to the stage. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and so when, when, when I show up representing the, the hyper masculine. When I show up mm-hmm. representing, um, you know, the, the the very thing that people admire, mm-hmm. right? And I say, as men, we got to do better. Mm-hmm. It it lands differently. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Be- be- because because they've grown, they've watched me play, they've admired me. Their kids have pictures of me and posters of me on their wall, t-shirts and jerseys and all this kind of stuff. So when I say it. It's like, well, there, there, there must be something to that then. Yeah. Because, because I've been in the position to benefit most from masculinity. Sure. Right? Yeah. And so, and, 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 but that's why I say it's important that we do the work together. Yeah. Right. Because there are certain people who are going to hear my message differently than they're going to hear you. But there are people who are going to hear your message differently than they're going to hear mine. Yeah. Right. And so mm-hmm. if we go about it together, then mm-hmm. everybody gets what they need. Mm-hmm. It's when we begin demonizing each other so that we can be at the forefront that ultimately we stifle progress. Sure. Right. And, yeah. and, and we, we, we minimize the impact mm-hmm. that's able to happen. That's why we named the program Amend Together. Mm-hmm. Right. Everybody has a place to plug in. Everybody mm-hmm. has a way to get involved and to engage. And I invite everybody to be a part of this. Right. Because at the end of the day, I don't care about whether or not I'm the face. I don't care about whether or not I'm the speaker. I care that young men and boys 
are understanding their role in ending violence against women and girls. I care that my, my two brothers see an example of manhood that not include the belittling, the, 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 the shaming, mm-hmm. the objectifying of women and girls. I care that my sisters know that in the event that they do experience something, that they don't have to show me proof. They don't have to bring a video that I believe them, that I trust them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that I love them and that I'm here to make sure that they're valued and respected, just like I'm here to make sure that they're safe. Right. That's what I care about, regardless yeah. of who's the one delivering the message. I love that. And, you know, I just I have to say thank you for using your platform in this way. You know, that's a very bold thing to do. And you've obviously given your life to it. Your heart is all the way in it. And you know, you didn't have to do that. And so I just want to say, you know, I think on behalf of all women, like, thank you. Thank you for being willing to humble yourself and to use what God's given you in order to be a voice for us. This is just so informative, so good, so inspiring. And again, just really thank you for, for who you are and what you're doing um, to make changes. And, you know, as, as we're talking, I just keep thinking about how, You know, the culture that we live in today, especially with so much coming out with systemic racism and white people finally getting like their eyes open to the reality, especially of the reality that black men are growing up with and black boys. Um, I'm wondering how that sort of informs your work, but also, so there's two parts to this question. Um, And obviously you're a preacher man, I can tell. So you're just going to go off with this, but I personally, like I, my entire life have been a huge fan of hip hop culture. And I mean, I could probably recite Outkast's entire album to you, every single one of them. But at the same time, like, man, all of this stuff that I've grown up loving and listening to and continue to, so much of it is objectifying of women. (laughs) And it's so hard for me to separate that of something that I love, um, but also it's including so many words of things that I hate and that I'm so against. And so I'm wondering what you would have to say even to that. Absolutely. Well, thank you for, for the question. I think that, you know, one of my mentors um, said something that I think is so powerful. She said, America likes my resume, but America doesn't always like me. As a person of color, we've oftentimes felt like in order to achieve, in order to be respected, in order to accomplish that we have to be twice as good as our counterparts, that we have to be twice as educated as our counterparts. We have to be twice as as impactful just to get an equal opportunity. Yeah. Right. And as a result, oftentimes when we've gotten the education, when we've gotten the training, have the experience and we do get a position, we still don't always get the respect or the benefit of the doubt that's given to our counterparts, Hmm. which is why even today you're seeing a lot of people of color who are the first for companies holding certain positions. But when they get in those positions, oftentimes the decisions that they make are still questioned, hmm. right? When, 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 when they decide to go in one direction or another, 
they're not given the same benefit of the doubt as the white individual who was in that position prior, mm-hmm. right? They have to validate their decisions in, in ways that our white counterparts don't have to validate those decisions. Mm-hmm. When they hire other people of color, they have to make that make sense to other people in leadership. Whereas mm-hmm. when our white counterparts are hired, there is no justification for it. There is no reason to validate that hire. It was just a good hire. So when we think about deconstructing manhood, it's one thing to just deconstruct manhood. But when you're deconstructing the manhood of of, of men and boys of color, it has to fit the context of the world that we live in. Because there's certain defense mechanisms, there's certain things that I've had to, to embody for survival in our certain culture that it's dangerous for me to strip away. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's no education on that. It's Mm -hmm. literally trial and error. Right. And so it's very vulnerable Mm -hmm. of a space to be in. When you think about, as you mentioned, the the, the hip hop culture and and, and the rap culture. And you think about just music in general. Yeah. It's very difficult trying to find music that's not objectifying women. Unless unless it's faith based, it is very difficult. Right. And I think that's that's a couple of things. In in some ways, it's an act of resistance against many of the oppression that's happening in our current culture. Right. Mm -hmm. It's literally pushing back against those who have decided that they determine for us what is acceptable and unacceptable. They've determined for us what's deemed professional or unprofessional. And so in some ways, it's it's a resistance that I'm good enough by myself, right? Uh-huh. That, that, that I am to be validated in my own skin because I am, mm-hmm. right? I posted okay. something on social media yesterday uh, because C- Cicely Tyson passed away. Mm-hmm. And I said simply that I am because you were. Because mm-hmm. you did, I believed I could, mm. Right. Right. And, and, and so a lot of that is also in that messaging of the music that we listen to. But I'll say this as well, because I think it's important. As an as a entire society, we've not gotten to the point where we truly value all people. And the reason I say that is, and I, and I know that this may not be um, the, the, the mo- get, the, get the applaud, but the, it's, it's the truth. In the in the work that I've been doing, we want to categorize women to be in the same boat. That women all think the same, that they want the same things, and they don't want the same things. Mm-hmm. When the reality is that women are just as diverse as any other ethnicity, race, protected class, marginalized group, what have you. And so while one woman may not like certain attention, another might. That's right. While one woman may not want to dress in a certain way, another woman might. Right. Right. Yeah. But there hasn't been room for that kind of diversity because it doesn't support the narrative that we're trying to push. And it's only when we get to the place where we truly value people that regardless of how you show up, regardless of how you identify, regardless of what you enjoy, like, or push aside, that you yourself are valuable. Hmm, yeah. That your thoughts and opinions matter, that how you express yourself matters, even if I disagree with it. 
that, 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 that I don't have to agree with the way in which you dress in order for me to see value in you, right? We have to do that collectively because if we do that collectively, now we can more effectively call out things that are detrimental and harmful to self and others. But we can't call that out when we ourselves are being hypocrites. Right, yeah. And we wanna call out the bad behavior of boys and men, but we within the movement treat each other very poorly. Mm -hmm. And you have some women who are saying that when it comes to feminism, I don't support the feminist movement because they're not thinking about me. They're only thinking about themselves. That's a reality, right? Mm -hmm. That we have to address and reconcile in order for us to truly be able to move forward. That's why it's important that we all do this together. It's not about any one narrative. It's not about any one group of people that all boats rise when all boats rise. Oh, it's not yeah. about either all. Yeah. It's not about either or. It's yeah. about both and. Mm-hmm. Right. And I can celebrate you and that doesn't take away from me. <laughs> We can all celebrate each other. And when we realize that we all have value, that means we all have a voice and our voices can look different. Just because we have value doesn't mean our value is the exact same and our voice has to be the exact same. We're not this uniform, you know, humanity. We all, we're all different. We're all diverse. And that's the point. And I love how you're saying that, like, even within each little subgroup, we're all different from one to the next. And that is part of our humanity and that's part of our beauty. And so when we allow each other to be each other and to have a voice, we in effect really are making the world a better place. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. Well said. Well, Shane, can you tell us where to find your book, where to follow you, all of your information? I know everyone's going to love you and just want to be in your fan club like we are. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the support. The book, What Hurt Didn't Hinder, is on all ebook platforms and can also be purchased on, on Amazon. Please go out and support. Um, really, really appreciate it. It's the most vulnerable I've ever been in my mm. entire life. Uh, so I welcome all, all feedback and certainly share how the book is being a blessing to you. You can mm. find me on all social media platforms um, at Shane Foster underscore 32 um, and support our, our, our work in, in Nashville at the YWCA. It's called Amen Together. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. So please support our work there um, as we continue to make differences in communities all across the country. Well, we really thank you for your time, Shane, your heart, your passion. You really are making a big difference in the world and from one person to the next, I know. So we celebrate you and we want to support you however we can. So let's keep in touch. Let's do it. Thank you so much for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.